0: everybody and welcome to another edition of hangout in the holy land land grant holy land flagship podcast as always i am your host gene ross joined once again by my lovely co-host josh Dooley. josh how are we feeling today on this fine tuesday evening rather than monday when we usually record
1: i'm feeling lovely man i'm ready to roll uh, talk some ohio state football gonna throw some basketball in there so uh, let's get into it yeah We've got a lot of good stuff
0: to talk about. I just recently made uh, my my pilgrimage back to the great state of Ohio. I went went down there for a friend's wedding. went went to visit OSU. Walked around the campus. I Actually, did see some like uh, I guess they were recruits being driven around on golf carts. you know, just being shown the campus. I, I was playing some spike ball on the volleyball courts over there by the uh, by the shoe and by moral. So it, it was good, good yeah. to be back over there. Always good to return to Ohio. You know, I'm not I'm not the only person uh, making trips to Ohio these days. There's been a lot of people doing that this past June. It seems like. <laughs> But uh, now that the month is winding down, we, we're starting to get a bit more clarity on where things are, especially with some of these big-name recruits. And, of course, the biggest, the biggest news from the end of last week is that uh, JT Tweemalau, the top-rated player in the 2021 class, according to 247 Sports, and one of the, one of the only really remaining players in that class, was scheduled to visit Ohio, uh, Alabama after his recent visit to Ohio State, but has since canceled that visit and is now deciding between a top four of Ohio State, Oregon, Washington, and USC. Although, according to pretty much everyone, it, it's mostly between Ohio State and Oregon. So, Josh, what do you what did you think of him? You know, initially canceling the visit and just like some of the stuff we've heard in the fallout after that.
1: Yeah, you know, I was surprised first of all that he canceled the visit to Alabama. You know, Obviously, his heart must have just not been in it, but taking a visit never hurts. So the fact that he canceled it sort of surprised me, but it's good news for us, right? Presumably, we're one of the top two finalists, some will argue four, but I think it's really going to come down to Ohio State and Oregon. That's a total guess on my part. JTT has kept everything very close to the vest, but When you read everything online, I read something today from the Rivals guys. They seem certain that it is between Ohio State and Oregon, and they believe that he's an Ohio State lean, which we hope to be the case. Um, But I still think it's an unknown. I would not be shocked if he chose Oregon. After that visit is, is actually when he canceled the Bama visit. So he saw something between Ohio State and Oregon that ultimately, you know, made him say, I- I've seen enough. I know, I know what my decision is going to be, or I know the final four here. And, you, you know, you look at Oregon, Mario Cristobal has recruited a re- at a really high level in the last couple of years. He's got Kayvon Thibodeau there as a bookend. And so if JTT were to go that way, that would be just a filthy duo in Oregon, but I still feel good about Ohio State's chances. And again, presumably he's going to be in Columbus September 11th regardless. Uh, hopefully it's wearing the scarlet and gray, but I, I, I'm I, pleased that Bama is no longer on the table. I considered them to be the biggest threat. Clearly I was wrong. I can admit that, but all good things so far. And now we just kind of wait
0: Wait and see. Yeah, and there's a bunch of good points there. Alabama was set to be his final visit, but it did wind up being Oregon. He pretty much went straight from the plane from Ohio State to right to Oregon's campus, and that was his final visit before he kind of shut things down. So, you know, Ohio State has had the lead for a, a pretty long time in this recruitment, or at least the... The illusion of a lead that, uh, you know, from what we've heard from him, he only really talks to one guy. He's not very vocal at all. He's kept this thing under wraps. Pretty pretty impressively, he's kept this thing under wraps for how high a caliber of recruit he is. Usually some things, you know, start to slip or start to leak. But he's been, been very good at keeping it close to the vest. Um, like you said, Oregon was the last school he visited. Maybe he saw something there that he really likes, uh, Thibodeau and, you know, you said Cristobal starting to really get it together over there in Oregon. They're kind of one of the premier programs in the PAC 12. And while the PAC 12 isn't maybe as like highly looked at as the big 10 and the SEC, they are, you know, the, the top team out there in the West right now, maybe, you know, USC coming back to a little bit of prominence, but it's really Oregon out there in the West. And so that they are an interesting choice. I still think that with the pedigree Ohio State has, just with their current and former defensive ends, with the guys they put in the league with Larry Johnson, who was the big reason that Ohio State had the lead in the first place, I think a lot of that is still gonna factor in, I think in the end that Ohio State does come out of it. I I jokingly said to Matt before um, our co ed managing editor, Matt Tamanini, like just in private chats, they're like I wouldn't be surprised if he just like shows up on campus and like is just at uh, Admiral Practice Field and like Ryan Day's in an interview and he's just like, Oh yeah, J- J- tweem allows over there because th- that's just the kind of kid that he seems like. He seems very low key. Like he's not going to make any, any sort of those. Like he's not going to have one of those announcements where like you're sitting in front of a table choosing hats. Like he's not going to make a a big spectacle of it. He's just very quiet and very about his business. So I, I wouldn't really be surprised if it's just like a very quiet announcement and we just move on from there. But I do in the end expect it to be Ohio State. And like you said, whether, whether he's at Ohio State or Oregon, he's going to be in Columbus September 11th. So it'll be an interesting thing to watch moving forward. And really, we're just on – we don't really – he has no timetable set, so we're all just on JTT watch. It could it could pop at any point. We don't really know when yeah. it's coming. Uh, we assume it's going to be in the next – couple of weeks because you have to enroll in classes by then. So unless he you know, plans on only coming in in August, like right, right at the very end, it would have to be sometime in the next few weeks. So we'll keep our eyes peeled for that. Obviously we'll have that story up for you right away. If that does happen over on land grant Holy land.
1: I, I feel like we need to, we need to have some sort of a JTT watch on the website. We need to, we need to designate one person and they just, they have to blog 24 seven about JTT, just constant updates and, uh, and keep, keep all of our fans and our kind of followers apprised of the situation.
0: Yeah, we need we need to do like what they do at the Pope, and we just need to release like scarlet smoke when we when we <laughs> near, when we think a decision is nearing. So we'll we'll definitely get that going. But uh and other other recruiting news besides JT, even though he has dominated the headlines recently, is that um on Tuesday, the day we're recording this, Ohio State received a couple of crystal ball predictions for twenty twenty two defensive lineman Chris McClellan. Uh six foot three, two ninety five. He's from Oklahoma. He's the number 26 D-line and the number 160 player in the country and the number 3 player in Oklahoma, according to the 247 Sports Composite. Uh, prior to today, he had been pretty much solely crystal ball to Oklahoma, the in-state school, but as of this morning, he, st- he got uh, crystal ball from guys like Bill Kerlick and Steve Wiltfong, who are two of the more respected guys in the recruiting game. Bill Kerlick, more of an Ohio State-specific insider, and Steve Wiltfong, a director of recruiting who does the national scale Uh, McClellan was a guy that talked very highly about his recent visit to Ohio State. Uh, If you listen to our uh, dotted line podcast earlier this week with Matt and Caleb, Caleb thought that McClellan would be potentially the next boom that Ohio State would get. So that that was, seems like a pretty good prognostication at this point with those crystal balls dropping this morning, but that's another, you know, the the Ohio State's starting to rack up the D lineman coming up and that's another big name to watch moving forward.
1: Yeah. You you had to figure it was just a matter of time really before we started to see some movement once, um, you know, the the ban or, or whatever was lifted for in-person visits and everything. So good news on that front. I am surprised that I've heard very little about McClellan and, and maybe that's just a me thing. But I'm surprised that an Oklahoma guy, I haven't really heard a whole lot about him. And now it's seemingly this switch over to Ohio State or, you know, maybe he's favored to come this way. It seems like. Alex Grinch was not a big loss for Ohio State. You know, he's at Oklahoma now. He's the defensive coordinator, obviously very involved in recruiting. And if he lets this guy slip away, that's just one more thing against Oklahoma. They're still bringing in great classes. But to let a, uh, a hometown kid slip out from under you and go to your former school Probably not a great look uh, for the Grinch. Yeah,
0: and I always, I, just in general, I always find it odd when like a top-tier defensive player even decides to go to Oklahoma in the first place, no matter where they're from, just because of how like poor the defense is in the Big 12. And a team like Oklahoma has really just been a, a beat you on offense by scoring 80, and they'll light up 50. Just they, They're going to score more than you. They don't really care about the defensive side of the ball. So it always is... A bit shocking to me and to their credit they've gotten a little better in recent years but as we've seen in their prior playoff matchups they just don't really have the defensive chops to hang with some of the big boys especially when they're you know they're used to playing other big 12 defenses where everything's a shootout but once you go up against a team like an Ohio State or an Alabama or a Clemson that's actually playing defense and you can't just score every time down the field if you don't have a defense to keep up with their offense you're you're dead in the water so uh
1: I I don't yeah yeah it's hard to stand out as an individual player, you know, there are 10 other guys that you're dependent upon. You could be the best player in the country, but if your unit as a whole is not strong, you're still going to give up 30, 40, 50 points. So I couldn't agree more. I see exactly what you're saying. Yeah,
0: it, that's definitely true. It's hard to really, I, even if you're a really good player, there's only so much you could do as one guy. And so they, they've been building it back a little bit. So I guess slowly they'll start to, you know, you have to have a couple classes in a row where you get a bunch of those high tier guys in order to flip the switch there and kind of turn things around on defense. But You know, McClellan was a guy that was seemingly in their grasp and is now sort of flipping towards Ohio State. And we'll have to, you know, he doesn't have any set date either, so we'll have to wait and see how that plays out. But it does seem like all of the momentum is currently with Ohio State. Uh, Speaking of guys that have some momentum towards or away from Ohio State, um, we we keep seeing, you know, a little bit of tidbits here and there uh, in terms of Ohio State basketball with their two potentially Returning potentially exiting players in Dwayne Washington Jr. and EJ Liddell, obviously two of the best players on the team from last year. Uh, I mean, according to a, a very knowledgeable source within the program that we have spoken to at, at Land Grant, uh, they are both still undetermined. They neither of them have made a decision. It's not like they know what's happening and they haven't announced it yet they're both still pretty much on the fence uh we saw Dwayne have a really good combine and stuff like that EJ was probably the bigger prospect of the two coming out so we still are waiting on him if he wants to you know try to get in the NBA draft or go overseas they both still have their options uh but they're all they're all like in Columbus now they're all practicing I saw a bunch of pictures on Twitter of you know pretty much every Ohio State alum that's played in the NBA plus Dwayne plus EJ all hanging out together Aaron Kraft as well so it's good to see all the guys together. It's good to see Chris Holtman kind of getting getting all the Ohio State alum and all these big names back in Columbus and kind of keeping that camaraderie strong. And that's really really how you build the program. And, and guys keep wanting to come back. It, it kind of speaks to the recruits of like, oh, they must have something – Something special going there. If you know, even if you're a professional or your career didn't work out, you still want to come back and you know hang around Ohio State and play with the guys. So I thought that was good to see, and it, I think it you know it, it, to see both EJ and Dwayne there, I, I think is good is a good sign for Ohio State. Obviously, we want both of those guys to come back, but like I said, they're they're still undecided. But it, it seems you know I don't I don't really have a read on either of them one way or another. They're like a JTT kind of situation where they're being very. Private about it, but I guess you know that that's another decision that's coming up. July seventh is a deadline, so we're almost less than a week away from that becoming uh, you know something that we're going to have to have to find out for for sure.
1: Yeah, it seems like the trajectory is heading in opposite directions. Uh, seems like E-Dale, EJ, I'm sorry, Liddell has been spoken of less and less. Uh, you know, obviously he did not receive an invite to the combine after the G League camp that they sort of went to. Only four players from that camp were then added to the combine on top of, um, you know, the previous invites. And Dwayne, you know, everything I'm reading is Dwayne looked really good. They had two sort of quasi scrimmages, and he averaged 13 points per game in those two. Uh, I saw some of the stuff online. He showed some, he showed a really good ability to slash and get to the basket, which is, not something he always did at Ohio State. He settled for a lot of jumpers and a lot of outside shots. So, that was good to see that he's kind of worked on that part of his game. And I also saw that he had nearly a 6 foot 8 wingspan at the combine and you think of length, length, length is really what the NBA is after right now or these just, you know, unique skill sets. And Dwayne is not a short guy by any means. He's a little under 6-4. But the fact that he had that 6'8 wingspan only helps his cause if he chooses to pursue that professional opportunity. But I'm with you. I think that they are probably going to both take this up until the July 7th deadline. And hopefully they make the right decision for them. Um, In my eyes, they don't owe Ohio State anything. We'd love to have them back. We think that we would be a great team with them coming back in addition to the guys that we have left on the roster, but they're going to do what's right for them. And yeah, you brought up the OSU. I'm calling it like the hoop summit. I I don't know what they called that, but we saw the pictures online. That was really cool. I think it speaks to what Chris Holtman is trying to build here. And I thought it was great that D'Angelo Russell came back. He has sort of distanced himself from the Ohio State program a little bit. Uh, since he left school and, and went to the NBA, so good to see him back. And like you said, to have Dwayne and EJ make an appearance at least gives us a chance. You know, it gives us a hope that the, those guys are going to consider coming back to school and want to build on the the special year that they had last year and do something even more significant and even more special this coming season.
0: Yeah, and I 100% agree with what you said. At the end of the day, we want these guys to make the right decision for them, you know. As Ohio State fans, we'd love to have them come back, join the guys that were that were here already, join some of the guys that are coming in in the freshman class and really put together a team that has the potential to, to be like a top 5 team in the country. But, you know, at the end of the day, if they have professional opportunities where they could go out and make millions of dollars, they obviously should go take that right now and run with it. So, they like you said, they don't owe us anything. Uh their whatever their decision is is their decision and if it's right for them, then it's right for them and we got to respect that, but you know, as selfishly as fans, we obviously hope they come back, but we really don't know. It could be one of them coming back, could be neither of them coming back, or it could be both. So we're going to have to wait just a little bit longer to see here, but not too much. So we'll, we'll have a, a definitive answer on that relatively shortly. But sticking with the the basketball stuff, we got today, or maybe yesterday, uh, the announcement of the Big Ten ACC Challenge, uh, the, all the matchups in that. Ohio State will be taking on Duke on November 30th. Uh, there's a couple other, a couple other pretty good matchups in there. You got uh, Iowa, Virginia, uh, Florida State, Purdue, uh, a couple other good ones there. Uh, Michigan UNC is another good one. So there's some big matchups in there. Uh, Louisville, Michigan State, and two, you know, two basketball. Two highly regarded basketball programs over there, so there's a lot to look forward to there. Though I I usually enjoy those, you know, crossover Big Ten ACC challenges. We know Ohio State's had some success recent times. They they kicked the crap out of UNC a couple years ago at UNC, and then UNC kind of returned the favor the next year. But it's a fun little battle. It's two conferences that play a very similar style of basketball. The Big Ten's maybe a little bit more uh, physical, but they do they play a very similar style. So it's good to see those teams match up. And uh, it's something I'm looking forward to. I like I like seeing the crossovers. It you know you, it's fun playing the Big Ten teams, but you can only you can only beat yourself up in the Big Ten so much. You kind of you need that break and to see see some other teams across the country.
1: Yeah, this is ultimately a uh, a series of matchups between what I would say are the two preeminent conferences in college basketball. Um, so you mentioned some of them: Florida State, Purdue will be a good one. Louisville, Michigan State, Michigan, UNC. Um, all great matchups, and I- I'm even more excited because full disclosure, after Ohio State, I am a North Carolina fan. I grew up on North Carolina, um, you know, since the probably like the early to mid '90s. Eric Montross, uh, guys like that. I think the first game I ever went to in person was when Eric Montross and the Tar Heels were at St. John, if I'm not mistaken. So. I've always followed the two teams, and so for Duke to come to the shot on November thirtieth, I, I hope we win by thirty. I've never been a Coach K fan. Something about him just sort of—he's got like an an arrogance about him that I've never really appreciated. I can, you know, give credit where credit is due with the success that he's obviously had. He's the greatest coach in college basketball history, but I, I hope that we can uh, like i said beat them by 30 30 40 points it doesn't matter to me duke is looking for a rebound season and i hope that we're an early stumbling block for that um for that rebound and you know duke does hold a 2 and 1 2 and 1 advantage over ohio state they won the first and third matchups if i'm not mistaken um between the two teams in this acc challenge and Ohio State's looking to even the score. They are 8-11 overall in this challenge since they started playing it uh, right around 2000-2001. But if I'm not mistaken, they've won their last two over North Carolina, like you said, and Notre Dame. So they're looking to creep back towards 500 in the challenge and reach 500 overall against Duke. I'm really excited for that one. I think it's going to be an early challenge that Chris Holtman is going to have the guys Ready to uh, ready to take on? Yeah, and it's
0: good to have those easy those early challenges against teams like Duke, a good team that you know really get a, a feel for how your team is because you, you can play these small teams. You can play you know Austin Prairie, whatever that team is. That like Austin P that was the team that started the college football season. But like, there's only so much you can learn from being a team by 30 that like had really no business in even competing. So to play a team like Duke, like you said, Coach K's last year, his retirement tour, uh, they're coming to the shot. There's a lot of things going in Ohio State's favor and with the way their roster is, the way that Duke kind of is coming off a a bad year would probably, I mean, I'm not in tune with Duke's basketball recruiting. I'm assuming they have like five more five stars coming in, but maybe not with Coach K leaving, so I'm not entirely sure, but I'm sure they're going to have a good team nonetheless. And uh, it should be, you know, depending on how the the rankings work out on the year, it could be a potential, you know, top 10, top 15 matchup in Columbus. And that's always, you usually get the top 10 matchups on the football field, but it's nice when you get them on the basketball court.
1: Yeah, hopefully it probably will be in the beginning of the season, but I hope by the end of the year Duke has fallen off like they did last year. But uh, I'm going to break some news because we usually don't get to do this, but Notre Dame has picked up a pledge from five-star Ohio defensive end Brendan Vernon for the 2023 class. I have potentially bigger news from John Rothstein.
0: Oh, okay. All right. In in, in, in regards to Dwayne Washington. OK, John Rothstein as at 617 p.m. on Tuesday, Ohio State's Dwayne Washington tells me that he is staying in the 2021 NBA draft. So Dwayne Washington is going to the NBA. We don't have word yet on EJ Liddell, but it's pretty funny that we literally just talked about this. And now mere seconds ago, John Rostin tweeted that out. And he's usually, you know, He's got his finger on the pulse of college football better than pretty much anyone in the country. So if he says it it's it's pretty legit. So that's that's where we're at. Dwayne Washington is going to enter the NBA draft and try to make it in the
1: pros. Yeah, you know, good for him. Uh, I'm glad we could break some news, to, you know, two stories. I think we need some sort of breaking news music to come through. Not surprised. Dwayne performed very well at the combine. And I wish nothing but the best for him. I think that I compared him to somebody like a, a CJ McCollum, if I'm not mistaken, in, in a in a piece I did earlier in the summer. He's got to work on ball handling. He has to make some better decisions. But he can score the basketball and he's not afraid to take the big shot. So that would be extreme upside. C, CJ McCollum is a hell of a player. But That was sort of a comp I threw out, and I'm excited. I'm excited to see what he does. I hope that he gets drafted by a good team that's going to give him time to develop and an opportunity to play. So, um, yeah, good on Dwayne. It's a bummer for us, but maybe EJ's coming back and, um, you know, good. I hope he lands with somebody like uh, the Celtics. You know, they're probably my NBA team, Uh, somebody that is going to give him – More than enough time to develop because of those things that I said that he does need to work on.
0: Absolutely. We wish him the best in his future endeavors. But I do want to double back to that Brendan Vernon news because that is pretty big news. He was a guy that I thought for sure would end up at Ohio State. Like you said, he's a five-star in Ohio in 2023. And he plays defensive end. He looks almost identical to like a young Nick Bosa with long hair. Like he, they, they, he looks like he could be like the next Bosa brother, and they all play the same position, and he's very, very good. So that is, it's pretty surprising to see him commit to Notre Dame. Obviously, it's early; he's a twenty twenty three guy. So, you know, there's always a chance that Ohio State stays in this one and, and earns a flip. Late as they tend to do with some of these guys that are Ohio guys that commit elsewhere early. Uh, he just camped at Ohio State recently, and like he did, he did, he had really good things to say about Notre Dame in his recent camp, so it's not super surprising. But it is that is kind of a big blow for Ohio State to lose a guy of that caliber from inside your own border.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a loss, but like you said, there's time for that to change. And, you know, sometimes players just want to go and lose by 40 in a national college playoff game. So, um, If that's the route he'd like to go, he is an Ohio guy, so nothing against him, but definitely a bummer, a bit of an upset that he chose Notre Dame over the Buckeyes.
0: Yeah, I think he was on a visit to uh, Notre Dame this weekend, so that's probably, you know, kind of the, what sealed the deal for him. But uh, yeah, those are two two pretty significant news stories in regards to Ohio State within within like five minutes of each other. So it's a good thing we you know we usually record the podcast on a Monday afternoon. We're actually recording this on Tuesday, and it's even later than we were supposed to record originally because I got stuck in traffic on the way home. But uh, then we wound up getting a break news, so that's always fun. We've talked last week about how we were kind of moving towards NIL stuff and all this different stuff in the Supreme Court uh, with all the NCAA getting just crapped on by the Supreme Court justices. But um, in regards to Ohio specifically, uh, Ohio, the governor, Mike, Governor Mike DeWine has, has pushed forward more of an NIL bill. Uh, Josh, we'll let you kind of take the handle on this one because you are more I, I was kind of off the radar this weekend and that's when it happened. So you're probably much more uh, well versed in this than me. But that, the gist of it is that Ohio's NIL bill is coming sooner than we think.
1: Yeah, I'll attempt it I'll I'll attempt to break it down the best I can. So last week, uh the first bill was kind of introduced into the House and the Senate that this NIL law that we were trying to get pushed into legislation and everything seemed to be going pretty well. There was a lot of support for it and at the last minute, uh Representative Jenna Powell, I don't I don't know which side of the ledger she kind of comes down on, but she added language to the bill, and it kind of cast doubt over the whole thing because the language that she added was completely unrelated to the NIL items that were really being looked at. So um, we went from a lot of good progress and a lot of good momentum to kind of in a screeching halt with the introduction of, the introduction of this new language. So uh, it was sort of up in the air. And then Monday, Governor DeWine se- stepped in And he signed an executive order which would enact NIL legislation, TBD. We still don't have a date on when it will go into effect. But the bigger thing is he signed it into legislation before the July 1st sort of NCAA deadline. So if the NCAA does not step forward with a blanket sort of coverage law, that is applicable to every state and every school. Ohio State has kind of jumped in front of that, and they have something in place that they can look back to if the NCAA fails to, again, come up with some of their own. So we beat the deadline. It's still TBD, like I said, but we, we got it in there at the last minute so that anything the NCAA – Does may or may not be applicable to us, if it is not applicable, then we have our own NIL legislation that we can fall back on and put into place while these other states are unfortunately fighting back and forth with either their state government or the NCAA or what have you. Um, And so DeWine didn't change a whole lot from the first bill. Um, I do not know if there were any stipulations in that first bill, but Mike DeWine's order does say that athletes cannot endorse alcohol, tobacco, firearms, adult entertainment, or casinos. So he did put something in there to kind of keep the I don't want to say CD businesses, because that's not fair, but keep it on the up and up for college athletes, I guess, is the best way to put it. And uh I don't know if you saw this or not, but Cardale Jones went and he spoke on behalf of this legislation and it's like, when in doubt, call on Cardale, you know, championship game against Bama, NIL legislation. He's always there when we need him, but he had good things to say in addition to Ryan Day and Gene Smith and some of their comments that they've previously made. So it looks like we're sitting pretty right now to eventually get this into place with or without the help of the NCAA. And it keeps us on pace with those other states that have their own stuff ready to go into effect on July 1st.
0: Yeah, for sure. There's actually a lot more states like doing it than I thought. I had seen a map on Twitter earlier today, and it, it almost looks like there's more states that are, are moving towards NIL than there are without it. Uh, so that's a good thing, obviously, for these athletes. And I just think, you know, going back to that stipulation set where they can't do like guns and stuff, just think of how many like shotguns Cardale Jones would have been able to sell at the local <laughs> rifle store as 12 gauge like that would have been the greatest promotion of all time obviously he couldn't do it and I, it makes sense why they can't do it you can't have college kids promoting you know guns and alcohol it makes sense but just the Cardale 12 gauge commercial would have been legendary and he he'd absolutely would have done it too because that's just so so on brand for Cardale Jones but yeah, like you said, it's keeping Ohio State at the forefront of this. They've obviously been moving forward pretty much as if they they knew that this was coming. Like they haven't they've been they've been telling, you know, recruits and everything that, you know, showing them the marketing aspect of Ohio State and how you could help brand yourself in Columbus and all these things. So they were they were well prepared for this. They were moving forward as if it was going to happen and now it looks like it will. So that's a very good thing for Ohio State. It's another another thing for Ryan Day to add to his long list of things that he could tell recruits to come play football at Ohio State. So it's all good stuff. We'll finally see athletes start to be able to make some some money, even if it isn't direct pay. They'll be able to make something for all the billions of dollars they made the NCAA for all these years. So uh, overall, I think it's positive change. And like you also brought up that there, it just shows how like it's impossible to get anything done in politics because this was just like a a very simple NIL rule that we were trying to get passed, and they were trying to add all these weird stipulations with like transgender athletes and something like. Well, that's obviously important stuff that needs to be dealt with. It just wasn't like the time and the place for it. And so like it was just odd, like it's just everything that happens and go has to go through politics is so difficult and like everybody has to have a say and everybody wants parts of their stuff and everybody else's business and it's just a whole it's a whole mess. So I'm glad Mike DeWine stepped up and, and kinda, you know, pushed this forward without any of the extra stuff added to it. And they can, you know, if they wanna add that stuff, they can figure it out on their own. But this was a, an important bill for Ohio State to get moving and I'm glad that they're moving forward without much complication.
1: Yeah, it's like this representative found something that was looked upon favorably and tried to piggyback off of that. That's really what it comes down to. So what DeWine did is very similar to what the governor of Kentucky did. I don't know how their bill was going back and forth or what had been drafted up, but he did the same thing and he did it first. He signed an executive order into place to enact NIL legislation for the state of Kentucky. So it kind of took it out of the hands of both parties and any kind of bickering that may or may not have occurred, and he just put a stamp on it. So I'm glad Mike DeWine did this, and you know he probably did it somewhat as a football fan, but it's like we've talked about before, things come down to money. It comes down to what can it do for the state, and Mike DeWine, whether you like him or not, is no dummy. He knows the amount of money and attention that Ohio State and other programs bring to the state of Ohio through athletics, and so he has kind of, uh, you know, thrown something out for all of these college athletes to look forward to, and it levels the playing field. It doesn't put us at any sort of recruiting disadvantage. Now we are on the level of the Floridas, the Georgias, the Texases, and things like that. So it is only good, not only for Ohio State football, but for colleges in the state of Ohio. You know, It's good for Luke Fickle down in Cincinnati. It's good for Chris Holtman here in Columbus and so on and so forth. So I'm glad that he stepped up. He kind of came out of left field as far as I know, but he surely had a number of people in his ear saying, hey, we need to make this happen. And he took action. And that's the most important thing is we've got it in place before that July first deadline, so that we can refine it as needed and put a date on it, which I'm sure all of these colleges and their athletes have been looking forward to.
0: Yeah, definitely. Wow, what a what a what a weird episode today. What a lots of news, lots of stuff going on, stuff happening live. It also just occurred to me as I was like looking through Twitter that uh, I forgot that Marcus Freeman took the job at at uh, Notre Dame. So that probably yeah, yeah. that probably has a lot to do with the Vernon stuff. I think he's like I think right now he's like listed as one of the top recruiters in the country. He's brought a lot of big time talent to the Irish, and he's obviously you know we know who, he was at Cincinnati. He was a great recruiter. He was a great defensive coordinator. He moved on to Notre Dame, so I, I think that's a big reason why um, Vernon ended up there. But yeah, a lot lots of stuff going on. Congrats to Dwayne on his uh, his move towards NBA stardom one day. Hopefully, uh, maybe he'll be like the next kind of like a, I could see him being some court, sort of like a Jay Sean Tate where it might not work out right away but over a little bit of time he kind of works his way back and and figures himself out because i think you know his biggest problem has always been his consistency so as long as he could get that going he's always been a really really good player he's a great athlete and so if he could just if he if he what he did at the Nba combine stuff can can continue i think he has a real shot to be a good player and and not even just like a role player he could be like a real starting guard in the nBA he's a very fun player to watch when he gets hot he doesn't miss and so i'm excited to see where he goes in the draft if he gets picked
1: yeah you know the nBA is all about scoring right now it's a, it's sort of a different game than it was one or two decades ago, and that's what he can do. He can score. The other things will come, hopefully, with good coaching, but I feel like at the very least he could be a bench guy, like you said, and hopefully elevate to more than that, but scoring is what it's all about. It's what he does best, and so I hope it translates to the next level. I don't think shooting will be an issue for Dwayne. He's you know, your your classic heat check guy. But can he get to the bucket? Can he draw fouls? Can he work on anything in the mid-range to make him an all-around player? And I think at the end of the day, he can. I think that he improved year over year while he was here in Columbus. And so if he just continues to add these little things to his game and learn from teammates and coaches at the next level, I think he can be successful. And I'm excited to see it happen.
0: Yep, definitely. So just just ignore everything we said earlier in the episode about you know him potentially coming back, whatever, blah, blah, blah. You know, you know, we know, we know now. We got one out of the two. Still waiting on Liddell, but that's gonna be a wrap for us today. lot of stuff going on this i feel like we're all over the place but i think we got a lot of of the pertinent information out there we got it we got it all across so we're good on that front um be sure to you know like subscribe download the podcast wherever you get your podcast Uh, i'll be coming at you every wednesday with the latest ohio state news sometimes even as it happens so uh for josh julie i am gene ross and this has been Hangout in the holy land we'll see you next week